On the Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, we hop into the YouTube comments, got a listen from our listeners and followers out there, and we also talk about which assistant coach has the toughest job this season. We're going to get into all of that and more on the Locked On Texan Podcast. Cody, start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman, of course, joined by none other than Cody Davis. Guys, we are uh, what, two weeks away now. Yes, sir. From training camp. Two weeks Thank away. God. <laughs> you guys got to understand, it's, yeah. it's been rough. For us here at the Locked On Texans podcast over the last couple of weeks, just trying to give you guys as much content as we possibly can. But you really have to understand how excited, how prepared uh, Cody and I are right now for training camp. There is a lot of implications for the Houston Texans going into training camp. And I think the biggest one, of course, is just figuring out where is Davis Mills as of right now. This is going to be a very important preseason because no matter what we may feel here at the Locked On Texans, what people may feel individually, there's always going to be, unless this, until the season is over with, Cody, unless he goes out there and completely prove everybody wrong, day one, like he can't have any mess-ups for, for a lot of people, and Davis Mills, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, those names are going to be connected with the Houston Texans for the next season up until the draft. Jimmy Garoppolo name is still uh, connected with the Houston Texans until that happens or it doesn't happen. Trade or release, which more than likely to come by a trade if it does happen because the 49ers said that they won't release him. He's too good of a quarterback. But hmm. the training camp this year, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Cody will be out there every day bringing that content, that heat, while standing in that Houston heat. <laughs> oh, by the way, guys. by the way, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, the ahead. Texans, they're not going to have us standing in that heat too much because they're starting training camp at 8 in the morning, oh, yeah. which means we're going to go out there about 10. They should be doing their press conference. So around 11 o'clock when the heat just, just sitting on your face, we'll be done. And that's important because they have several open practices this year. So, And you know what? That speaks uh, to the Texans uh, as a franchise, kind of making a slight adjustment. They got some young bucks coming in from across. Like you got Thomas Booker. He played in the Pac-12. Who I don't Beautiful know the Pac-12 right now, what they got going <laughs> on. Uh, you got different players from, from different play, places coming from college, from the draft. Some free agent signings, but overall, it's just too damn hot. Like, <laughs> it's, and you say it's a good thing they start at eight o'clock, so you'll be able to be done by eleven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock two days ago, it was ninety degrees <laughs> at eight in the morning. But Cody, let's jump into the YouTube comments. I'm going to start off with this is talking about the Jimmy G episode a couple of days ago, and it read just like this: If I'm eating a hamburger. And I can have it my way. I do not want onions. 
So mm-hmm. hold the onions with Jimmy G. No, sir. Carry on. So if he was Burger King, Jimmy G would not be <laughs> on his menu. I also want to continue with uh, one of our viewers said, both of y'all are wrong. And this is in in, in, in uh, continuation to the Jimmy G talk. He continued with bringing in Jimmy G. He's proven he can take a team far and cause and cause Davis Mills still has to prove he's capable of playing in the league as a starting quarterback. Uh, Cody, you want to take this one and saying that Jimmy G is proven he can take a team far or because I would like to say maybe a team has proven they can take Jimmy G far. Yeah, and, and that's what I was about to get into. And look, this is no disrespect to Jimmy G, but like I mentioned on that episode of Locked On Texans, Jimmy G has played for the best coach in NFL history in Bill Belichick and one of the best offensive-minded coaches of his generation in Kyle Shanahan. So, of course, he, he was in a system that he can actually thrive in. And my whole point as to well, one of the reasons why I would like I would not like to see Jimmy G here in Houston, I'm not too sure that the Houston Texans have a system where Jimmy G can still carry over that success. Now look, I get it. I do understand that part of Jimmy G's success is due to the fact that he is an average quarterback. But the key word in that statement, <laughs> look, John, is average quarterback. Plain and simple. And once again, you bring in, you bring Jimmy G to Houston. What is going to be the ultimate objective for this organization? Because like I mentioned on, I believe that was Tuesday installment of Locked On Texans. You bring him in. He does well. You extend his contract. And then in the next two years, we're talking about a 32, 33-year-old quarterback that the Houston Texans are trying to move on from, but they can't because he has one of the worst contracts in the NFL. So I'm not a fan of Jimmy G. I understand where that listener was coming from because, like I mentioned, this guy does have talent, but at the end of the day, that talent is average. And when you take a look at an organization, especially an organization that is trying to replace the talents of a Deshaun Watson, average isn't good enough. And I also want to continue with this. Saying that, saying that Jimmy G has proven he can take a team far. Listen, the the the, the best version of Jimmy G we've seen with the with the San Francisco 49ers was the year they went with 13 and 3, mm-hmm. made it to the playoffs, the Super Bowl, went against the Kansas City Chiefs. Guys, you gotta understand that year the Chiefs rushed the ball for 145 yards per game. Last year, the Texans rushed the ball for under 100 yards. I think it was like high 80s per game. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see Houston making a 60 yard uh, rushing yards per game jump this season. Even though we both agree that the running back situation is better, the offensive line situation is better. I don't see that happening, and and they don't have the defense that was ranked eighth in the league that year. Uh, in 2019, 2020, with the San Francisco 49ers, they gave up only 19 points per game. That's not going to happen here in Houston overnight. I don't think so. And Jimmy G wasn't able to do much with that. They were He was the reason they lost, and he won't be the reason why they win here in Houston. Uh, let's continue with – oh, this was talking about the jerseys. And mm. um, this listener said, yeah, I can feel you on that. 
regarding the jerseys. I've been hearing all the, over social media. I do think we need a small change in our jerseys. I was talking to my buddy Drew last night. Shout out to him. And I was telling him, like, hey, if the Texans wanted to get creative with some of the jerseys, even if they don't make a drastic change, I'm pitching this, the red helmet, the all-white units, hmm. and just add in some red stitching on the sleeve of those jerseys to kind of make it pop a little bit. But I do think in the next two to three years, the Houston Texans should have some type of New Jersey. Well, you know, the, the, I like your idea. I'm not a fashion guy, but I just love the helmet. I, I, I just cool. can't wait to see the Texans rock that new helmet on Battle Red Day. But, John, I, I, I'm hoping that they do rock that helmet with the all-white jersey because that's going to be nice. Lastly, we have a listener with maybe the most unrealistic. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to just read it. Uh, I believe the Texans will win the division at 10 and 6 or 10 and 7, maybe five, 11 to 5, 11 and 6, and host a playoff game, win the home game, and lose in the next round just because the other teams in the division aren't that good. And I think the Texans are better than people think. And I can't remember if this season was 16 or 17 games. It is 17 games, so it will be 10 and 7 or 11 and 6. Listen, I don't, I don't see them making it into the playoffs, and I damn sure don't <laughs> see them winning a game in the playoffs and making it to the next round. If it does happen, that would be great, Cody. I, I think you and I would both <laughs> we would rejoice. We would both rejoice with the rest of the fans. I just don't see it happening, though. I'm not going to say – it's not going to happen. It's a small wow. chance that it could. Because at the end of the day, John, we all know in the NFL, a lot of teams, you are just as good as your quarterback. And we are expecting Davis Mills to have a really good season. And what is that stat line that you that you mentioned um, a couple months ago? We, we talked about what does success look like for Davis Mills. I think you said somewhere in the ballpark of three to 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns. 35 to 3,700 yards between 23, 26, 27 touchdowns, and he's keeping those, uh, the interception number low. Okay, so let's say, you know, for the sake of this argument, under. yeah, 13 and under. That alone, that performance alone, I do believe is enough to get the Houston Texans to seven wins. And this schedule, like we mentioned, there are a, there are a lot of games where – if everything goes in the Texans' favor, they can actually win. And it wasn't too long ago we sat here and talked about how weak this division is. I mean, you have the Indianapolis Colts being the um, best team in this division heading into the season. I'm not picking a team, but if I'm forced to pick a team, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans. But, you know, things could change with those two teams, and there is a possibility that the Houston Texans – look, it's a small chance – but I do believe there is a very tiny, small chance that the Texans can actually win this division, you know, host a playoff game or whatever the case might be. But I also want to mention it also goes into how fast this rookie class can get accustomed to the NFL level, especially when you take a look at Derek Stingley, who is going to be your number one rookie for this upcoming year. Probably the, the, the defensive anchor within the first, what, three to four games of the season. Hindsight is 2020, and you cannot change the past. We know that. If we could, we would. But what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you ask yourself to borrow some cash, 
need some gas money. Well, now you can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill up your tank, buy a wedding gift, or just catch up on bills. There's no interest or credit card checks needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app today. So go ahead and let's get that process started with you guys here. Our listeners at the Locked On Texans. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for the extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, make sure you go to Dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve and member FDIC. The future you will thank you. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, this Monday, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. The most exciting thing about this year is just kind of seeing how all of this new is going to work out. And with new comes different challenges, right? And, and we can admit that. Sometimes the new affects the past, and sometimes the past affects the new. Old and young has always had a battle with one another. Who wins? We'll f- find out this year, of course, in terms of the Texans. But we talk about Lovey Smith all the time. We talk about Pip Hamilton all the time. We've talked about, I think, George Warhop a lot on this show, but we haven't really necessarily kind of dug into the assistant coaches and – Getting prepared for the training camp season and the preseason and the upcoming regular season, Cody and I thought it was a very good idea to look at our assistant coaches on the Texans uh, coaching staff and talk about who may have the toughest job this year. And I wanted to mention new and old for a purpose and reason, Cody. I don't know who you're necessarily going to roll with. I know it's going to be a good one, but I want to roll with Joe Dana. Uh, this is his first year with the Houston Texans. The safety coach started as a grad assistant back in 99. Last four years were spent with the AFC South, our AFC South mates, the Jacksonville Jaguars, as a secondary coach. Also coached as a Nichols coach as well in Jacksonville. He coached the likes of Texans former great A.J. Bouye, uh, Barry Church, Tyshawn Gibson, who also spent time with the Houston Texans. Ronnie Harrison, DJ Hayden, and, of course, Jalen Ramsey in his first three seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2017-2019. The Jacksonville Jaguars allowed the NFL fewest passing yards per game at 200. The issue for me, Cody, and listeners at home, please, you guys let me know how you feel. Chime in. The issue is he doesn't have a Ramsey. He doesn't have a, a, a hating on his roster. He doesn't have a Church or a Ronnie Harrison. He has Eric Murray. He has Terrence Brooks. He has MJ Stewart. And he also has the highly anticipated rookie safety, Jalen Petrie. I like that he was, you know, designated as the rookie coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars last, last season. I think that'll be a plus when coaching up Jalen Petrie because as of right now, I don't think that we have a definitive, this is what he's going to play. Uh, But what I want to see from Joe Dana-led safety group this year is just discipline for the safety group in Houston uh, this year. For the past two seasons, Houston's 
the safety group for Houston has been one of, if not the most lacklusters in lack, lackluster group in the NFL. I just don't know how much improvement um, will come with it this season, which is why I think this is one of the toughest jobs on this coaching staff, especially for a first-year head coach who has to try to work against what the Texans were doing wrong last season. Also implement what he wants to get done. Also get on the same page with Lovey Smith. He's also going to have to do some coaching up. Again, the Houston Texans do not have this out-of-this-world out talented safety group. And I think that when you look at what he was able to do and accomplish, which he was able to accomplish a lot in Jacksonville, well, you know, we can point to how they drafted. They drafted well. Jacksonville has traditionally drafted some great defensive players. I think so, and had great drafts, at least in the last ten uh, last decade. But he doesn't have that luxury here in Houston. Uh, and I also would like to mention this uh, for Dana in his last season as safety, as a safety coach for Jacksonville back in 2019. The two starting safeties combined for 15 missed tackles on that year, compared to 24 from Houston's group last year. I, I just want to see more discipline out of this group. And, and I think it's going to be difficult for Dana because you don't have to teach talent. I think with this group, you're going to have to teach them the discipline to make the, the right play, right? I remember last year the bad communication between safeties and cornerbacks, uh, specifically who's no longer with us, Lonnie Johnson and his miscommunication errors, right? <laughs> uh, Justin Reed and some of his miscommunication errors, which I do think a handful of that – was based on the other player, not necessarily Justin Reed. But overall, they just got to be able to make plays, and I want them in their spots. So a play that may be a first down won't turn out to be a 40-yard bomb, won't turn out to be a house call. Hey, if you can got to take them 10 yards and they got to move the change, you can live to fight another down. I want to see this safety group, like I said, Cody, over and over again, be more disciplined and not have those – many errors like they did last season um for me and i'm sticking with the defensive side of the ball as well but for me i'm going with dino vaso um second year cornerback coach um wow. i think there's i, I think right. there's a lot of pressure on that young man going into his second season with the houston texans first and foremost you got to keep in mind last year with the likes of desmond king with the likes of taviera thomas you know the houston texans did not have the best group of cornerbacks however the groups the the group that vasso was able to coach last year help and improve the on-field production, the lackluster on-field production that we saw the year prior during the 2020 season. Remember, John, that I, season. I do, <laughs> that I think season, he did a much better job. Well, he did a, a good job as being mm -hmm. the coach for the cornerbacks uh, last year. Yeah, and, and like I mentioned, you know, of course, 2020, as we all know, was a terrible year for the Houston Texans, probably the worst in franchise history, and that cornerback group did not <laughs> help the organization. Um, however, with all that being said, Vasso took, took, made some major improvements with this cornerback group last year. Now you got to take a look at the fact that last year you didn't have talent. Now you have 
some great talent with the arrival of Der Derek Stingley Jr. And the development of Derek Stingley Jr. is part of the reason why I'm looking at Vaso because if Stingley comes in and starts struggling right off the bat, there's going to be a lot of people trying to figure out why is Derek Stingley struggling. You, you you can't fire the defensive coordinator because the defensive coordinator is the head coach, and that's Lovey Smith. And I don't think Lovey Smith is going to fire himself. Um, even though Stingley is coming off an injury, and I do believe that might play a factor into if we see him starting off slow, but I I don't see too many people going back to the foot injury that he sustained during his final season at LSU as part of the reason why people saying, oh, this is why he's not playing so good. I think in terms of if Stingley start off slow, there are going to be a lot of people looking for a scapegoat. And you're going to be looking at the one coach. Yeah, which is unfair, but you're going to be looking at the one position coach that he is spending a lot of time with. And unfortunately, that is Vasso. Plus, I also want to mention there is even more pressure for Vasso to either repeat the same success or get better in terms of the work that he did with King last year, that he did with Tavier Thomas last year, and even Steven Nelson. Like, he has some really good talent this year, at least solid talent, but... If this cornerback group does not come close to the success that we saw last year and it starts to drop off, Vassal might be in trouble. And I do think with both of those guys, this is why, and, and I will say maybe more so with Vassal, this is why it's a lot of pressure there simply because, how you put it, Cody, you got some new, some fresh talent mm -hmm. in the room right now. Some good talent too. And, 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 and some good talent, some talent that, before they stepped out on the NFL field, their rookie year, their freshman year in college, people were already saying, whenever it's his time, he is a top five pick. Hmm. And they also had the controversy of whether or not they go with, you know, Stingley over Gardner. But I do think that for both of those young men, um, what makes this year so difficult is because <sighs> we've talked a lot about the offense. Right, the game of football is, is is three levels: offense, defense, special teams. And when I look at a Vaso, when I look at a, a Joe Dana, I look at two men that still have a very tough task because for Vaso, the secondary, in terms of your cornerbacks, did improve from the year prior last year, and I do think they will improve this year. However. The defense still gave up a ton of points. Mm -hmm. Like dead last or close to dead last in a lot of major defensive categories. So I think both of these men will have a tough job this year. Uh, I think that will we'll make their job easier is the same thing that's going to make it a little bit harder. Those players that walk through those doors. I think whenever Jalen Petrie can figure it out, and I've seen this on Twitter, a lot of guys are trying to figure out what role will Jalen Petrie have. I think a, a guy that can play football, he can play football. They'll figure it out. And that's why I want to mention that, you know, Dana was a Nichols coach last year for Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll go into coaching with Jalen Petrie's. We'll bring him up to the line of scrimmage, let him make some plays. He still can cover as well. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see. I do believe that the defensive back jobs for both of these coaches will be very tough on them this year because there is a lot of expectation when you draft Derek Singley number three overall, and then in the second round you go out and get Jalen Petrie.
And really quick, before moving on, I do want to add Danny Barrett's name to this list as well. That is a guy we talked about a lot this offseason. He's yes. going into his third year as the running back coach for this organization. And to be honest, this is the first time he has some solid talent in the backfield with the likes of Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce. However, there is no way in hell he can allow his running backs to rush for an average of less than 100 yards for the third consecutive year. There is no way in hell he survived the 2022 campaign if the lackluster run game continues. You have solid production in the backfield. Your offensive line is, I would like to say, is fairly good, at least from what I have been able to see throughout voluntary OTAs and and mandatory minicamp going into training camp like your offensive line is pretty stable you have a decent quarterback there is no way in hell we should be looking at the houston texans rushing for less than 100 yards for this entire 2022 campaign there's no way in hell that can happen again welcome back and thank you for making the locked on texans your first listen today now make your second listen to Locked On NFL Podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. Justin Reed, who, uh, by the way, man, I, I'm seeing a lot of players who have a, a career after football in the booth. Hmm. On the TV set, on radio, NFL is tradition. Those players, a lot of times, they do go to the um, to the radio. But uh, Justin Reed was he was uh, you know doing his media run this past week. Cody, what what did Justin Reed have going on? Former Houston Texan, great safety, <laughs> Justin Reed. Yeah, Justin Reed was on Good Morning Football on Wednesday, and he was the best talking football about, show, by the way. Yeah, it, 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 it truly is, especially that that's that foolishness that be going on on ESPN on Sunday mornings and stuff. But let's not get into that. But Justin Reed was on Good Morning Football Wednesday morning, and of course, he was talking about how excited he was to play for the Kansas City Chiefs for this upcoming season. And during his talk about Kansas City, they got into you know what does he expect this offense to look like with the fact that Kansas City lost Tyreek Hill and Justin Reed say you know due to the coaching that is still on the coaching staff due to the fact that they have arguably if not the best quarterback in the league and of course Patrick Mahomes he still believes that this is going to be an explosive offense and he was talking about how excited he was just to finally play for an explosive offense and John I went back and I listened to that and I was like Justin Reed's statement to me, just hearing him talking about how excited he is to finally play for an play for an an, an explosive offense, yeah, 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 you know, out. just lets me know how bad the offensive play call was for the Houston Texans during their time here in the city of Houston. And look, I get it, understanding. I know a lot of you guys don't want to talk about these names, and we're not. But you had Deshaun Watson, who's a top 10 um, quarterback, top five quarterback in the league. You had D-Hop, who was, at the time, the best wide receiver in the league. You had a decent run game. Like, the Houston Texans have so many had so many weapons. But it was the play calling on the sideline by King Bill O'Brien <laughs> and his prodigy and Tim Kelly. It just, it just once again let us know that that era of Texans football was just a missed opportunity for this organization. It was a huge letdown. It was it was 
Which, which, even though with the vanilla offense that they put on the field, they, they still had success. Games one season, right? <laughs> and uh, it, it was a, it was a trip, man. A letdown isn't the word. If I could find a, a, another word to describe, that's why it. I say miss opportunity. Miss that, opportunity. That's, I think that's the down. best way you can look at it. And the last time we saw them in the playoffs, it was a meltdown. Uh, <laughs> but for Justin Reed, and and I think to speak fairly for any player that leaves Houston, it's fair for them to talk about their grievances. This was a team that. Had Hop, had Watson. Uh, when they was in the playoffs, they had Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Mm-hmm. And while Duke Johnson had a solid year that year, I still believe that Duke Johnson was undervalued and underused for the Houston Texans during his two-year stint. Uh, I will also look at Deontay Foreman was a player that for Houston, why wasn't he – Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, your future back. It's not like the guy can't play football. He's been playing football his whole life. Kiki QT. Uh, but, but this franchise, again, this has been a franchise who doesn't know how to use talent to its full capacity, to its full capability. This is what they've been. And we now have to wait and see what Pep Hamilton is going to build into this offense because – I talked about John Mitchell being an X factor, right? They still have some progressions for some of these other players. They also have room to improve in terms of bringing in some some X factor players that running back. Maybe they can do an amazing job out of the backfield, or you know, we're going to see how Brevin Jordan works out this year in year two. But in the past twenty years, they've undervalued certain players. They've underutilized a lot of players, and that has ultimately hindered the success of the Houston Texans. Everybody else in the division has went to a conference title game except for Houston. (laughs) Listen, that's a fact. And I don't think it's because of the defensive side of the ball. It's because offensively they were still playing 1990, early 2000, vanilla type of football. And that's why they're in the position that they're in right now. Can you imagine what the Texans were able to do with that era if you had Andy Reid as your head coach? Man. They probably got a chip right now, or at least, at the very least, a conference title appearance. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast on this Friday. Make sure you guys have some fun, right? Stop by Kobo's uh, off Rusk, Rusk Street, across the street from the Minute Maid Park. Go check out that's some of the best food in the city of Houston, man, bar none. That brisket, mac and cheese, uh, quesadilla, mm. oh my God. It was, was too much, but it's great food. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like, comment, subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page. Find us on YouTube under Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter. Please, I need my followers back <laughs> at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Really quick, the offseason is coming to an end here on the Locked On Podcast Network for the NFL channel, which means starting next week, we will be back to five shows a week. 
Five Monday, Tuesday, five Wednesday, five Thursday, five Friday. Five we five will be back. I know you guys miss looking at us and hearing our voices every weekday. We will be back bright and early Monday morning. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.